Graham, welcome back to another World Cup episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast. I'm Ben Quagliata and Ben Smith, how about that Aussie DNA? Yeah, I can't believe we spent, what, the, the part, at least part of a show we did the other day kind of talking smack about Aussie DNA. And then we were, well, I but also it might be a thing. And then it turns out it was a thing. I would never talk smack about <laughs> Aussie DNA. How dare you? I merely said we needed more than it, but it turns out, no, we don't. We just need Aussie right. DNA and a big bloody Scotsman at the back. Nothing else. Just right. Harry Souter, Aussie DNA. Uh, that, that's all you need to win a World Cup, it turns out. Uh, who knew? You know who doesn't have Aussie DNA? Princess Mary. Yes, it's an awkward day in the uh, in the Danish royal family, by the sounds of it. I haven't, I haven't like gone searching for any Danish reaction, but I've seen... Because obviously Princess Mary, but also Matt Ryan plays for Copenhagen. And just think, you know, yeah. that, the, the meme of like the Simpsons car where Homer's yes, like smiling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, um, I did see that, uh, I think it was yesterday actually, before the game, uh, Matt Ryan's agent saying that he would be seeking a move away from Copenhagen. Yes. Uh, a preemptive uh, bomb by the sounds of it. Oh, he's rocked. He's rocked he the knew. capital. His, his agent knew before the game. He's like, we're winning this game. We're getting you out of Copenhagen. As soon as possible, it's not going to be safe for you up there for much longer. <laughs> after yeah, I don't even look. I'll be honest. I don't follow the whatever the Danish league is called, something Liga, but the Superliga. That sounds right. And yeah, but I didn't realize until they were saying it on the broadcast the other day, the other game, that he's not even the first choice there anymore. So no, he was brought in to be the first choice, and then he started the season, and the reserve keeper came in. And basically took his job. Uh, you know, uh, real case of, uh, you know, foreigner stealing uh, someone else's job, except it's like the reverse of that. Keep, keeping jobs local. Yeah. <laughs> Supporting local business. Um, obviously, you didn't have to do the 2 a.m. wake up. You could just cruise through to 11. 11 p.m. was... Uh, 11 p.m. Well, you say cruise through. I I think it was. Uh, I think I hit the wall yesterday. Um, I've been feeling fairly good for most of World Cup. Uh, I got to about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, and I was I just had no energy. Um, maybe it was driving all uh, driving to IKEA beforehand, finding out the coffee table I wanted was actually not in stock, and then having to drive back with just a Christmas tree to show for my uh, <laughs> visit. To the uh, to the Swedish uh, flat flat pack furniture giant, uh, but I was very tired yesterday. I had four coffees and a uh, a couple of glasses of vanilla coke uh, yesterday to get me through. And still, even with all that caffeine and sugar in my system, I still could not get. Um, I was like, it got to nine o'clock. I was like, I'm going to have to just gut it out. Like, I'm going to have to show some Aussie DNA. <laughs> Grip my teeth and get through these couple of hours, and like even when the game started, I was not tired, but my eyes were—I was blinking a lot more because my eyes were just so sore from being awake. Uh, and then I went to bed at one thirty after the game and couldn't get to sleep for half an hour. Go figure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you telling me that loading up on the slow release energy of endless caffeine and sugar did not? Hold you in good state. Are you saying you had a, you crashed from a sugar high? Because that doesn't sound scientifically we valid. Really put that on the label. It's just not safe. Other people might may have suffered a similar fate to me. You know, uh, 
you know, if anything, I'm a I'm a hero for uh, <laughs> uncovering this first. <laughs> no, but because yeah, I my plan was to go to bed at around ten, get a few hours in, watch the game, and then get another few hours in before work. And the, I held up the first part of that pretty well. I think I w- went to bed at like ten thirty, and I woke up a couple of times, like thinking, "Oh, is the game's like real Christmas morning areas?" Like, "Oh, is the game on yet?" And then I looked, and it was like one thirty, and I was like, actually out to piss. So then, like my my whole morning was just thrown. Well, my like early morning was thrown off, and then fortunately, I woke up just in time for the game to start, so I didn't miss anything. Like, uh, I woke up just after the kickoff for the France game, but I actually woke up after Goodwin scored, so I missed any positive in that game and then yeah like afterwards i was like so i'm just meant to go back to sleep now like, I, yeah because like well, i was i was wide and it, it reminds me of so not soccer but basketball in australia was in the world cup i think it was world cup the bronze medal game against spain this was years ago now like 2017 2018 i forget but um is this the one after the olympics yeah, it might have been 2019, actually. The point think, is... Yeah, it was 2019, yes. It's the I one remember. where Paddy Mills got the phantom foul against Spain, like, whatever year that was. But I was... was the, I'm pretty sure that was the Olympics, but yes, I, I okay. remember that all too well. Yeah, okay, Olympics. The point is, I was also wide off of that game, but it was angry. Yeah. This one was just, like, happy. Like, pure vibes. It was pure vibes. Um, <clears throat> Like, let's get into it. So, I think when we spoke the other day uh, before this game... We both thought the if there's going to be a change, it would most likely be seeing Aiden Frustich from the start over Riley McGree. There was one change, but it wasn't that. It was the rotating carousel at right back and Milos Degenet getting a start, which I think you may be called p- for purely defensive reasons. But, I mean, I was still a little bit, I'm not surprised, but, you know, like I, I, I still wouldn't have picked it. I wouldn't have expected it. I thought it would have been long odds to change the back line that beats Nisia. Yeah, it was, I mean, I wasn't, I think a lot of people weren't really convinced by Karacic's performance against Tunisia. And I mean, I've seen Milos Degenek play right back before and it, um, um, results may differ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I thought, I thought every, all four members of the Australian defence were, were great last night. Um, Degenek was, uh, yeah, that's probably the best I've seen him play for. Maybe not, or one of his better games for for Australia for sure. Um, you know, he's probably become one of my favourite players throughout his tournament. Just the way you know he's been, the way he talks about. You know, he, he was talking the other day about how pressure isn't a World Cup game. Pressure is like him fleeing his homeland when he was a kid, kid because of a war and that sort of stuff. And um, well, he's also kind of been the guy who's been hyping up the uh, the soccerers and uh, as. Uh, there's a couple of good stories um, coming out of uh, the game, and apparently, um, some, like they told Milos Degenek when Tunisia had scored, and obviously, like Lecky scored pretty soon after, and Degenek huddled the guys up and told them, like, "Oh yeah, like Tunisia have scored. Um, you know, we need to keep playing our game. We can't like just depend on France." Apparently, half the, only half the players believed him. The other half thought he was just doing it as a pure motivational tactic. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, um, if, I believe there was a story written about it today. Uh, Joey Lynch from ESPN mentioned it on the National Curriculum podcast, uh, which I may have made a brief cameo in uh, today, but I'm pretty sure someone wrote an article about it as well. It's just amazing. But yeah, um, certainly back to my original point. Degenek was great. 
Kai Rolls just gets kind of better, a bit better with every game. Matt Ryan just is just cool, calm as you like in defense. Harry Sushar is a brick wall, and as is Bayage, booked three minutes in, I think. Yeah. And then played. I was, as soon as he got that yellow card, I was like, he's getting sent off at some point. Like this is just going to happen. Denmark are going to run at him. He's going to foul. He's even going to get dragged like way earlier than we expect because he's on the yellow card and Joel King's going to have to be exposed or he's getting sent off. And neither of those things happened. And Bayich in, in the second half was pro- arguably the best soccer ever field in the second half. But maybe him and Suta, I thought, were outstanding in that second half. Yeah, there was a couple of mazy runs from Bayich in the final third that I was like, oh my God, who is this man? I've never seen this before. He a very there's a version of Aziz Bayich who very occasionally just kind of comes out of his shell. Uh, I think it was the Peru game in the playoffs where he actually had the soccer's best chance to score, where he just kind of created it by himself. It was just like, well, you guys aren't doing it. I'm going to try dribble past a few people and have some and have a shot. Um, that was, you know, again like Dagenek. That's one of the better games I've seen Bayich play for soccer. You know, he's normally pretty solid, but man, I thought he was he was. Uh, great, especially that second half. And for, for, the fact that um, Denmark were just not able to get really past him or expose him after that opening yellow, yellow card is just a tr- testament and a tribute to just to how good Bayage was. And that, you know, he will, no matter what he does from now on in a soccer jersey, he'll always have that game. And same for Degadek, same for Rolls, and same for Sutar. Yeah, staying with the defense. I think I mentioned it during the game. It's like it's just wild how our center back pairing is a bloke who's like two weeks removed from returning from you know the maybe the second most serious injury an athlete can have, except besides you know maybe like a torn Achilles, and a guy who in the A League was kind of meh for a lot of his career, and they've just shut out a top ten nation without like there were a couple of hairy moments. But, you know, for like large swathes of that game, I was sitting there relatively, like not comfortably because you're never comfortable. Yeah. But but I was like reasonably unbothered um, considering the quality that Denmark have up the top. Uh, it, and, you know, like what I've just said, the journey that those two guys specifically in the middle have been on. I It was a pretty chanceless game for the most part for, for Denmark. They killed us if you opening half an hour. And I, that entire opening 30 minutes, the soccerers couldn't keep the ball. It just had this air of, oh, this is like, not to quote horses, but that's the way it's going to be. You know, <laughs> it just felt like we're going to, like Denmark are going to score at some point. We're going to have to come out of our shells. Denmark are going to grab a second. It was kind of going the way I thought it might, but, you know, I predicted Denmark would win 2-0. And that opening half an hour, I was like, if they score here, it's all over for us. Like, it's good. They are just dominating the ball. They look so good down the, wins with, uh, down the wings with Marley and um, uh, Christensen, and they're just killing us. And Dagenek is, and Bayage are doing their best, but they're you know, not getting much help, and they're getting in behind. And there are a couple of, you know, cutbacks across the face of goal. There's one which Matt Ryan, I think it's took a deflection of Matt Ryan had to like kick it away like yep. a yard out from goal. Yeah. Um, which gave me heart palpitations. And <laughs> it was that that opening half an hour was like Denmark has come to play. And then it was actually really weird because I remember watching them in the Euros semi-final against England last year. And I remember it was 
pretty much the exact same thing where Denmark came out of the gates like all guns blazing. First 30 minutes, they dominated. And it, against England, they actually took the lead through that free kick. I can't remember who, who scored it, but they went 1-0 up. And I remember thinking then, well, this game's probably over because Denmark have just looked so good up to this point. They've got the lead now. And then they kind of stopped playing after a half-hour mark and England were able to work their way back into the game and was a better better team from that point on. And it was kind of the same today. Like, Denmark didn't really throw a meaningful punch after that opening half an hour. You, their, their intensity dropped off quite significantly. And, you know, towards the end, they were just getting desperate and lobbing long balls into the box and six-foot six foot 20 uh Harry Sutar was just like, yep, I will take that. Thank you very much. Yeah, they weren't getting past Hadrian's wall. <laughs> it was, yeah, and it was like they'd had so much success early getting up the fullbacks, getting in behind, but they just went completely away from that and were like, okay, we're just going to lob like kind of grenades into a box and hope that we can somehow, you know, out beat Sutar and rolls in the air. And uh, it didn't go well. It was. I was really like it was a very disappointing performance of him from a Danish point of view, especially given how it started. Considering, I think the Danes' best game probably came against France, and in that game they played the back three with all the back five with the wing backs. I guess from that point, then it was kind of surprising that they switched back to their tradition to a traditional back four, considering Australia maybe you know a point of weakness on paper would have been attacking Bayich and Degenek or whoever ended up playing right back. Um, so I would have thought they would have stuck with that, those wing backs. Cause then you can overload the wings with your wing backs and your two wingers. But like, yeah, when I saw that they played a back, they'll play back four, I was shot. I was surprised. I wasn't, you know, like, Oh sweet. They're into our hands, but I was a little bit surprised that they decided to go back to the four instead of the five. Yeah. It- I was I was a bit surprised as well. Maybe they felt they needed they wanted another midfielder to come in, and Jensen came in and had a couple of nice moments early, but then faded. Uh, I I don't know what the thing was. I think it was maybe they were, you know, you know when they played the three back with that three four three against France, Ericsson was sitting quite deep and maybe wasn't able to get into advanced positions as much. And I did wonder if it was more of a we'll go to four at back because it will allow us to push Ericsson a bit higher up because he won't have that same kind of defensive positional responsibility and he can kind of do bits in the final third, which is what he's really good at. And, uh, you know, he, he again, Ericsson started really well, was re- was switching with play, was getting on the ball a lot, and then, like the rest of the Danish team, it kind of just faded. And it was, yeah, the way they dropped off was really disappointing. Like, I... Can't remember, uh, you know, the like it was chalk and cheese, really. Their first 30 minutes and their last 60. Like, it was, if you're Danish, you're probably going to be pretty dis- disappointed for a myriad of reasons this morning, but particularly just the way that it kind of petered out against, like, let's be honest, like a technically inferior team. Yeah, someone was telling me, you know, I don't know why we haven't done this tactic the whole time where we just, like, you don't need the ball to score. You just <laughs> hit them on the counter and you have, like, one person in your entire team that can, like, control a ball and run forward. And it works. Like, why have we not done this? Because, like, yeah, I, I, this team, the the Socceroos, they, they rely on, sorry, no, they don't rely on, they run on fumes a lot. 
Yeah. And what I, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean, you know, they it's more of an energy and a hard work team rather than like they're not they're not going to win games with beautiful tiki taka, you know, Ange ball. And Arnie, for all his criticisms, I think has kind of realized that that's the way forward with this current squad is just to bludgeon teams and be that blunt object rather than, you know, trying to get Puskas nominations. Even though you've got Riley McGree, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, you know, I think Arnold deserves a lot of credit. Um, I think I said on the last pop, he got his substitutions against Tunisia spot on. Yes. Well, again today, like he got his substitutions spot on. Yep. Uh, it's very clear the players like playing for him. Uh, you know, I know there's been a kind of bit of a few skirmishes uh, around the fringes of the team from, you know, players on the outside looking in, you know, talk of them being kind of discontent or annoyed that they haven't been allowed in, but, or, you know, have been, they feel, maybe they feel like they have to work harder to get in to impress Arnie. But, uh, yeah, like the, the man management, the togetherness, like that's, you know, but we're seeing in the soccer squad at the moment, that's all on Arnie, or at least he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, he is, uh, you know, his proof of doubt is wrong. Um, as, you know, he his post-game interview where he just suddenly yelled, no social media, <laughs> yeah, yes. completely ruined me. That was one of the funniest things, like, just so in character, but so unexpected in that moment. <laughs> and the delivery of it, it just like barked it like at the, at the interviewer. And uh, uh, it, was, it was good fun, at, especially when you're kind of delirious with joy and like sleep deprivation at uh, like 1am in the morning. Speaking of his substitutions, because I think one his criticism has largely been tactical rather than, you know, the ability yeah. to get to get the boys up and about. I honestly think the introduction of Keanu Bacchus was maybe the single greatest masterstroke of his international management career. Because I, at the time when Bax was coming on, I said, oh, you know, I rate the move because we like just when you just need legs. You just need legs in the midfield because Moy's getting run around. But Bacchus was immense. Like I wouldn't say he's man of the match probably because he only played 45 minutes, but he was quite honestly extremely impressive and just such a vital part of keeping everything together, letting Irvine go further forward, giving Moy a bit of a shield. He was intercepting the ball and he was actually driving forward. He, you know, drew a fr- couple of free kicks, got a yellow card on one of the Danish blokes. Um, yeah, I thought that single move was maybe that that's <laughs> that's Arnie's um that roof of the Sistine Chapel. That's his masterpiece. Just that one, that one substitution. I would argue that his masterpiece is actually convincing guys like Harry Sutar and Martin Boyle and Jason Cummings to turn their back on Scotland and uh, represent Australia. Um, but yeah, and I'd like, I think, because I was doing player ratings for work, I think I gave back a five out of 10, but I, like when you're kind of doing player ratings in a moment and I was doing player ratings in match report, so you kind of can't quite focus as much on the game when you're doing two things at once and trying to watch the game. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, actually, Bacchus was like, you know, has impressed me more, impressed me more in that kind of 45 minutes than I think I've ever been impressed by him. Uh, he was, like like you said, for running, just the fact that he was able to, you know, help out Moy and, you know, sit a bit deeper. Irvine 
played better when Backus was on because Irvine was allowed to go forward. Like first half, Jackson Irvine was a bystander. I thought uh, he just the game kind of passed him by. And then second half, when Backus came on, he was actually able to get into the game more. He was more physical, and you know, I agree. Uh, I actually thought was the best of the Australian midfield three in the first half. Um, and the second half, you know, he did move out to the left, uh, which you know kind of meant that his impact on the game was limited more. But then he also played that assist for the lucky goal. I was going to say, I actually think that was McGree's best game as a soccerer. Yeah, I, it was definitely the one where he, I still think, you know, it's always like, there's always just, like, he just lacks a bit of refinement. It's that, like he can score 10 goals in from like 30 yards, but in terms of like just doing like the kind of stuff that wins games consistently, like hitting passes, picking up like pockets of space, he was doing that a lot more consistently uh, last night or this morning. I forget what time it is against Denmark. And I mean, that, that entire move for the goal, just the, the poise of the pass to hit it in stride. And I think there's the school of thought to hit it further ahead to let him run onto it. But I think we started to see in the game, Leckie started to die really quickly, his legs. <laughs> yeah. So he, it, it he was the perfect... He well. Yeah. I thought, and then it, he had like a good first 15 minutes and then he died, just went off a cliff. And it was like, oh God, Leckie's dead. And then... He somehow just found the energy to score one of the all-time great Australian goals. I saw some people, someone saying it was a better goal than the Cahill volley, just as a pure goal, which I had to really push back against. Like I'm, I'm not talking about moments or anything, just yeah. as a goal. And he's like, he beat seven blokes, and I went back and watched the replay. He just beat one bloke twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like that—that that is up there in the most important goals in Australian. Um, Australian football, Australian, it's called soccer now. I don't know what we I don't know what we're calling it. Um, because that's apparently a debate now as well. But I, I did think that, yeah, that, that entire midfield or the central midfield as a unit, and I'm including Bacchus in that when he came on, because I think, yeah, Goodwin was pretty invisible for that game. Mm. But then and maybe Bacchus, that was just legs as well. I don't know. Um, but he he faded, and as did like I think a few players faded. It's very punishing schedule. And uh, I'm kind of keen to see uh, Graham Arnold make like no changes and just be like, just really push them to their limits the next game. <laughs> Leckie's on a, uh, Leckie will be in, in the wheelchair. He'll still be playing 90 minutes of this road. I mean, can they make changes though? I think, I don't know. I've, We're kind of through the looking glass now. You can't really. Yeah. It's, it's tough, isn't it? Because it's like, well, like Irvine and Moy, I have not been great at this tournament. I thought more over. I thought Moy was decent against uh, Tunisia. But on the flip side of that, it's like, well, like they're kind of embedded in the team. Like they're Arnold's two go-to, like central midfielders. Um, do you change one? Do you risk changing one of them? And then it's like, well, right. McCree's actually probably playing the best he has for the Socceroos, but then you have Aiden Hrustich in the wings. It's like, do you bring Hrustich back? Uh, and then, yeah, Mitch Chuk was really good. As, it was like pretty solid again. And, you know, you don't really want to change him. And Leckie probably needs a rest, but, the, you know, 
the fact that he's been one of the more impressive players at World Cup again for Australia. I wonder if they're thinking, I don't even think Hrustic is the first guy you bring in now. I think it might be Bacchus. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I would not be at all surprised if Keanu Bacchus plays the next game um, or, or starts the next game. I, I think he's kind of like the first choice cab off the rank in terms of central midfield. But the thing is, though, who do you bring him on? Like, who would you swap out? Because you've seen Irvine's more effective with Bacchus because he's going forward, but also Irvine's probably the one who deserves to be dropped the most out of those three. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a dilemma. I wouldn't relish being in Graham Arnold's shoes, in, you know, in terms of making making that decision. It's a, um, especially when every player on the field, you know, regardless of what their output was, their effort and intensity was so good for the entirety of that game. And like one of the things that one of the things that made me laugh during that game, like it was it was a pretty tense game. Not much made me laugh, but when I saw Mitchell Duke, like his slide tackles, it was like in FIFA when you know you're not going to get the ball and you just press like square to slide tackle just to try and make yourself feel better. Like, oh maybe if I do that. Even though <laughs> you know you're not getting the ball. It was <laughs> He had a couple of slide tackles, and then he had a third one. We actually connected with some bloke and just completely ruined. We probably should have got a yellow card, but he apologized straight away. And the ref waved play on, but it was his slide tackle. My game notes just said Mitch Duke slide tackles, lol. <laughs> Speaking of the ref. Oh, God, yeah. Like that bloke was just on the absolute take. It was, I don't like blaming refs because refs do a pretty tough job. I actually think the first two refs we've had of his walk up have been really good. That was like um like at least he was consistent for both sides. Like there were a couple of ones we got towards the end where I'm like, there is no way that's a foul. But uh, we've just gone to ground and kind of looked at the ref and he's given it and Denmark have exploded um as is their right. And but yeah like the the Bayich yellow I kind of thought was deserved because he just dragged the guy back and you're always asking for trouble when you do that. But there was yep. There was one or two where I just remember looking. Oh, there's one. I think Duke backed into was back into someone, and then he went to ground. He got like thrown to the ground, and yeah. then Denmark got the free kick or something. I, I just remember calling the ref a cheat. I mean, a hundred percent because I was very tired. Does not. I don't actually think he was a cheat. I want to clarify that. The, I was the thoughts overtired and annoyed. <laughs> the thoughts of Ben Smith do not reflect the thoughts of. Yeah, beyond the fence media. Um, I didn't even introduce Seven West because I was so scared I was going to get it wrong again. <laughs> I just I, I ad libbed my intro just how good. Um, I, no, I, I didn't even notice. Yeah, well there you go, Seven West. There's your shout out, Seven West Media. No, um, the reason and Luke Wilkshire on commentary for this one, but the the haste in which old mate blew for the penalty and Luke. Oh, Shocking. And Luke Wilkshire is just immediate. No, <laughs> I think I, I I don't remember when it was. It was like what two minutes after we'd scored. Like it was so quick. I think it was a bit. Further. I think it was like five or ten. I yeah, can't okay. Remember. Maybe yeah. I, I have a feeling it was around the seventy-minute mark. But that's just the kind of gut instinct. Uh, the point is, yeah, it was. Um, just, it looks real on replay. It looks really soft, but it looked like one of those where it's like. Oh, technically there's contact, so VAR probably won't overrule it, but it's like VAR is not having a look about it if it's not given, you know? Yeah, it's one of those like technicality 
Yeah. Like, because like, the, well, the, technically, yeah. he grabbed him and then he pushed him a bit and then he fell over. So, technically, the ref is right in dealing with that. But it's like, well, yeah, but the force in which he grabbed him and then kind of like moved him was not enough to make anyone go to ground. And the guy has very clearly exaggerated that. And, like, thank God the linesman ruled, ruled it out for offside. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been offside anyway, even if VAR, yeah. it had gone to VAR. But yeah, like the point of VAR is once it goes to VAR, even if there is like any touch, it's like it's just not going to be overturned. Because um, I think there was a similar one with the penalty for was it Argentina overnight or something? Messi I'm got blanking. No, I'm thinking of the a uh, couple of days earlier. It was in the Poland game, but I forget. Like the round two Poland game, but I forget who they're oh, playing. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, was it the Saudi penalty? Yeah, it was the Saudi penalty. I thought yeah. that was extremely soft, but again, didn't get overruled because there was like a touch. Yeah. So and then Chesney say made two saves anyway. And then, so oh yeah, of course we spoke about it last time. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, but like, yeah, <laughs> it was like three thirty, I think, at that point in the morning, and I was. Try not to yell too much to wake my housemate, but yeah, I, and I was also I I had a, I was having a beer at that point because I saved for one beer for the game and I cracked it at halftime, which probably didn't help me get back to sleep either. But, um, and then oh, it's just the I think mean, the first half was probably the worst time I've ever had watching the Socceroos, and then the second yeah. half was even worse, especially after we got like for well, that little like two minute period. In between Tunisia oh, scoring and us scoring, but then that penalty, I, I think I yelped like <laughs> just the anguish. Like it was just such a roller coaster of emotions. It, yeah. So that like that wild two minutes where it's like, what do you mean Tunisia have scored? And I said before the game on Twitter, if France lost to Tunisia because they were playing not just a second 11, but a really weird second 11 with Kamavinga and Gunduzi, who are central midfielders at left back and left wing, hmm. respectively. I was going to boycott baguettes and cross-offs for an entire <laughs> year. Um, I might, you know, we, we got through, so maybe I might wave that considering I do love a good cross-off or a baguette. But if we'd lost, I reckon I would have 100% um, kept that. Um, get that promise because France were trying to screw us over. I think uh, maybe maybe in um, maybe it was in response to the submarine thing, as a lot of people on Twitter have uh, yes have pointed out. Uh, but that was yeah, that was a wild trip. My literally like I made thirty seconds apart in one of the group chats. I mean, I think I I messaged the group saying bloody French, and then thirty seconds later, just lucky. <laughs> yeah i was on a because my i was watching it on uh, on demand on my computer so i was slightly behind those watching it on tv and i was in i was just hanging out in a discord in the the depths of the internet somewhere and um the the tv like i fl- i wasn't keeping it on the discord i just flick in there every now and again but yeah i think i flicked in there just as tunisia scored on tv so I saw all these like bloody anti uh, French rhetoric and, you know, never selling the French my sub again and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then I, I had like the Google tab open as well, just to kind of track the game. And 
I was like waiting for it to be ruled out because well because they'd scored earlier right and it was ruled yeah. out for offside so I was waiting for that to happen again at, and and then it didn't and then I was really upset and then I uh, then Lecky scored and then I think I tweeted that I would bear Lecky's children so I think it all worked out in the end. Yeah, it was um, it was in, it was just an insane moment and like kind of breaking. I was breaking down a goal at work today and it's. Uh, like again, Harry Sutar wins the ball and plays a really good pass to Mitch Duke. And Duke has kind of sucked Denmark's centre back out. Um, and it plays McGree like quite quickly. And by this point, Leckie has realized that Denmark have committed all their men forward. And and he just sprints through the middle of the field. Um and yeah, he, he was such a well-taken goal. It was it kind of looked like he'd run out of ideas, and then when he put <laughs> on his left, I was like, "Oh, he's not scoring this! Like he's not left-footed." And then he's made it like just perfect, perfect placement. Like Casper Schmeichel was a good goalkeeper, and he just managed to keep it away from him. And it's it's one of the all-time great soccer's goals. And like, yeah, the Cahill one was better, but it didn't have the same impact that this has had. And I, you know. Like same with the like, you can argue over whether the Brett Holman one in Serbia was a better goal than the Lecky one, but like again, that was pretty much a dead rubber. The goal that uh, Holman scored, and you know, it's certainly better than um, the the second one Cahill scored against Japan, which is you know a very nicely taken goal. But um, like he's given Cahill was given a lot of space, um, <laughs> which I'm which uh, I was reminded of by SBS yesterday because they were playing the Japan game before the um uh before the Denmark game which was kind of cool to watch and realize oh wow this was like a hectic this is a really hectic game I forgot how like we could have very easily lost that game to Japan but anyway um yeah when the lucky goal went in I'd been pretty quiet for most of the game and I think I just yelled yes really loudly <laughs> and uh may have woken the uh I don't know if I woke any of my neighbors in my apartment block uh, if any of them are listening, I apologise. <laughs> I doubt they're listening. <laughs> I would be shocked if they were listening to this but hadn't been awake for the game. Ah, oh, I was really disappointed in my workmates this morning when I messaged my like work crew, like a few of the mates I've got at work, and I was like, oh, boys, watch the game? They're like, no, nah, watch the highlights. Like, what? Yeah, that's shocking. No good. Well, one of them watched highlights. The other one just sent me back. LOL. <laughs> Just the utter disrespect. We don't deserve a live site down here. Um, I was trying to think, oh, I had a point. I was co- I've completely forgotten it now. That's really good of me. Well, let's talk about the live sites because that's been a big thing. It has. Like just the, the, I noticed, yeah, just the social media push before the Denmark game to- big. Well, because most of my Twitter is Sydney-centric. And there was a lot of like at Dom and like apparently it's Dom's call to get something going at Darling Harbour, which they now are doing for the Argentina game. Which is good. But the, there's sites at Darling, Sydney, there's sites at Darling Harbour in like Liverpool and like the inner west. There's obviously Federation Square. I assume there's going to be another one in Melbourne somewhere. I think Brisbane's doing one. Newcastle's doing one. Adelaide's confirmed. Perth, I think, has confirmed one. Yep. Uh, Lord Mayor Basil Zempler says a uh, sentence I'm still not used to saying. I keep forgetting yeah. he's the... <laughs> I keep forgetting he's the mayor. 
Yes, I, I do too until I see that, you know, like he's doing something there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Basil is, uh, is mad because life is a simulation, apparently. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, just, it's just very surreal to see someone who, you know, like, you know, is, oh, yeah, the guy who reads the, new, the sport on the news is now like mayor. And it's like, it's very hard to get your head around as someone who has kind of like watched the news for as long as I haven't been like, Oh yeah, that's Basil who does like the, AB, the the footy commentary and whatnot. And now it's like, no, that's also the Lord Mayor of your city. That's, it's, <laughs> I still grapple with it on a, uh, a frequent basis. And uh, yeah, he he's come through with the goods. He was saying that because there's kind of like a few Christmas kind of installations set up, uh, there was a bit of a it kind of limited some of the places they wanted to maybe put one, but they have found a location in Northbridge, which is kind of like the um, like the party clubbing district. It's kind of like the Perth version of like, I think it's King's Cross where it's like... King's Cross is uh, dead, but <laughs> it's yeah, dead oh, now. Really? But it's okay, dead. well, that's kind of like Northridge now. Like there's too much crime and everything, but it's still like... Uh, yes, following. King's Cross then. Yep. Yeah. Um, still one of those places a lot of people go on a Friday, Saturday night, um, although apparently it has... I haven't actually been out there in a long time. So... Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe, maybe people start to go back to Northridge. But yes, um, that, there is like a small, smallish plaza where they are going to um, uh, congregate. So that should be great. I um, I have actually heard of Northbridge only because I used to when I used to live in Sydney before I moved down here. My one of the soccer teams I played for was called Northbridge, and we saw something on Facebook that Northbridge in Perth was getting, this is such a tangent, but anyway, uh, Northbridge in Perth was getting a pop-up public toilet or something. Like some <laughs> some really weird, like, anyway. And then the point is, I was like, oh, so that's where I'm like $400 in fees for this bloody suck team have <laughs> gone. Um, anyway, that's my Northbridge story. I'm, I'm looking up live sites and things. and I think there's going to be one in, I may have seen some, there's one in Newcastle, but I, Maybe. No, I saw the Newcastle one. Yeah. Yep. The um, Newcastle one, Sydney one, Brisbane one. I think definitely saw an Adelaide one. So Adelaide, I saw. Yep. Um, I'm, but yeah, like I'm, uh, Canberra's having one and Hobart. Apparently, the casino is showing games. But, like, I don't want to go to the casino. I want to go to like a live, like I'm a, a square. I've never understood the, like, the, the casino is a popular place to, to watch because there's a big sports bar at uh, Crown Perth. Uh, and it's oh yeah, it's like every casino ever. Like yeah. the, Star, the Star Sydney is like kind of the big one as well. And yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like I don't like it's good. Like people have gone there. Like I've got friends who've gone there for like Champions League games and kind of like World Cup games previously. And I'm just like I cannot. There are so many more places I would rather be at in the, that at that time of the morning than like the casino sports bar. <laughs> it just well, has no. Uh, there's no currency with me, I'm afraid. I mean, I, I've been to the Hobart Casino once in my life. Um, and I lasted about an hour before I got bored. Um, I yep. can't say I'm a huge casino man, but I mean, if that's my only option at this point, because I've watched the first three games just alone in my bed, which sounds extremely depressing. And I would like <laughs> to get it, I would like to get around it for our first knockout game in 16 years. So I don't know, hopefully I can rally something and we can. I mean, I look. Hobart's got not a lot of people, so I might, I might have to do the campaigning myself at this rate. 
Uh, yeah, maybe we should host it at your house. Maybe that's no, maybe that's no, 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 no. <laughs> I live with uh, uh, it's a share house, and there is a dog, and the dog hates new people. It takes days to get used to. <laughs> It took days to get used. To, it's not my dog. It's my it's my housemates, and it took two days to get used to me before it stopped barking every time it saw me. So, yeah, yeah we will not be doing that. There'll be no <laughs> no watch party at my residence. Um, it is good to see though, and like obviously the Fed Square scenes, are the Fed Square scenes, and Fair you know, and it, it's good to see. And I saw someone make this point, and it's actually a really good point that it's good to see SBS and the Socceroos and like all these official channels sharing those scenes and promoting them in the positive like football way they are rather than like oh look at this criminal activity like look at these like the flares are a bit how's it going but it's like all part of the theater of the whole football quote-unquote hooliganism yeah um, which which makes the game so unique and so great and so active and i think as long as people are using them using flares responsibly like (laughs) if as long as you're not throwing them around you know being mindful of the fact that Yes, they look cool, but also you can cause serious burns to someone if you are slipping with them. As long as people are just very mindful of that, I have no issue with people using flares. It looks cool. It's just, just like all like in all walks of life, just don't be a dick. Just like respect others. Don't do things that like you wouldn't like. Be like, don't do things that may endanger the health and safety of others. Okay, yeah. With, yeah. With, with, okay. Thanks for the healthy Harold lesson. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that is. That that's been that's been kind of the thing though. Like it, it seems like a really well attended. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the the right spirit. Yeah, and it's um, you know listening to um, you know a podcast today about it. They were so, um, it was mentioned that like there was like a pretty good police presence at the Fed Square thing, but like the police did a really good job and just kind of like if there was issues on the fringes, they sorted them out. Otherwise, they just kind of watched were kind of like watchful observance and we're just kind of on getting around uh, it. yeah exactly just like enjoying it and kind of making sure everyone was safe and um by sounds of it also like when people did float through flares they were kind of like uh not chased out but kind of given a hey man we don't do that here sort of thing like <laughs> I did. I did enjoy the city of Melbourne, like their release press release. Like, oh, don't like. Obviously, <laughs> no, no flares, flares no, no flares, and it's like I know you just legally have to say this because you know, yeah. like that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I um, yeah, by all reports, there was a lot of booze going around, and some uh, <laughs> some some uh, smoke that did not come from the flares either was uh, was heavy in the air in Fed Square this morning. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I had a drink at the wrong time. I don't know what you're insinuating with that smoke. <laughs> Although, like, I, yeah, it's, um, I did have a neighbor who was, uh, likes to smoke outdoors. And every time they smoke outdoors, uh, it seems to correlate with the Socceroos playing at this World Cup, which is like, it was very hot in my apartment, uh, like last night. And so I opened the windows and then closed them within a minute because the, the waft of smoke was so strong. I was like, well, this is not good for anyone. <laughs> and he did it. And the same neighbor did it during the, uh, during the Tunisia game as well. So uh, maybe they just do it when the soccer is playing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but very weird. And um, if I could not do that, because I sometimes like to open the windows because the apartment gets hot, that would be great. 
well, you'll be at the live site, so. <laughs> yeah, there'll definitely be no smoke there. Well, my, one of my colleagues um, at Seven West, Adrian Barrett, did ask on Twitter, what's Perth's flare policy? <laughs> is, he, is, he, is he looking to buy flares? Because I've got a guy, if he's interested. <laughs> you know, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Yeah, I've got a network of guys. Um, <laughs> let, let's keep this. Let, let's get back to... We haven't even spoken about the Argentina game. I don't know what there really is to say. Argentina are third in the world. Um, we're we're no strange. Haven't played well at this tournament. So. No, and we're not. Look, we're no stranger to beating top ten teams. But also, <laughs> on, on a more serious uh, analytical note, once you get to the knockout stages, it's that all. It's that entire cliche of like it's. I don't know what the cliche that I'm going for is, but you get what I mean. It's like you just need 90 minutes of like luck to go your way. It's not just like the better team doesn't always win all these like cliches that you can just come out with and go like Peru, for instance, like that Peru game was just 90 minutes of utter shithousery. Um, I wouldn't say we played particularly well in that no, game. No, but- I thought we were awful against Peru. And it kind of, it felt like, like I was like delighted we won, but I like remember seeing people whose opinions I respect being like, "Oh yeah, we we're actually really good." Thought we nailed the game plan. I was like, "That was one of the worst games I ever watched." <laughs> oh, I gotta stop drinking during this. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's the point though, because it's like obviously you don't plan to shit house a game, but sometimes it just happens, and. Yeah, you just yeah. roll with it. The, the the football gods have appeared to be smiling on us. Argentina are gettable. We've got big Harry Suter to man mark that. Uh, what's his name? Messi. Yeah, who? Uh, back, if that is his name, I can't remember. I, I hear he's. I hear he's about to go to the MLS, so he obviously can't be that good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gareth Bale is in the MLS, and he did not look good at this tournament. Therefore, uh, this Messi bloke surely can't be very good either. But you know who is in the MLS and who has looked good? Milos Degenek. Milos Degenek. <laughs> there we go. Maybe it's just defenders. I mean, Messi plays wing back, doesn't he? Yeah. Or, or, I mean, that's if he even makes it on the park. I'm not sure Argentina are going to, uh, you know, risk playing him in this game. Okay, let's stop this. <laughs> we're, we're tempting fate now. There we are. <laughs> So uh, he's going to listen to this podcast and go, I'm going to score a double hat trick just to prove these guys wrong. I I do find it wild though, that in the year of our Lord, 2022, Argentina still haven't found a better center back than Nicolas Otamendi. Yes, that was, that was very funny. I mean, like Christian Romero, obviously plays for Tottenham, but I was like, I got to like this World Cup. I was like, wait, Otamendi's still starting for Argentina? And I didn't look, I don't think Romero is that great either, but he's better than Otamendi at least. It's it's like Pepe of Portugal. It's like like you every time you're like Pepe is old, sure he can't still be playing for Portugal. No, wait, he's got the cup captain's armband on today. What the hell is going on? But like Argentina, it's you know that photo that meme of like the horse drawing? Yes, yes, indeed. I think you know where I've gone with this. Like their attack is just so stacked. Like obviously you've got Messi, uh Julian Alvarez. I actually think Di Maria's been pretty bad this World Cup, I, or at least the parts I've watched. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen I think I've only watched the one Argentina game. I haven't had a chance to Okay, yeah, I thought he was awful against Saudi Arabia, basically. 
But Lat- yeah, they threw it like Lataro Lataro La- Martinez. Lataro Dabal uh, didn't even play against Poland. No, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think Dabal's got on the field yet, which is you know I, that really sucks because he's such a good player. Um, I don't yeah. know how he's had, obviously had such like poor luck with injuries in the national team. So um, would be nice to see him at a World Cup. But maybe next time. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> um, and they've also got, you know, uh, Correa as well. I'm actually surprised because I'm just looking at their squad list now that, like, I don't think Lissandra Martinez is that crash hot either. But I, th- I think he's better than Nicolas Otamendi. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like Enzo Fernandez. Uh, Enzo, Enzo Fernandez? Well, that's wrong. Enzo. The guy, uh, Benfica's Enzo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Been getting a lot of hype uh, from Argentinians and apparently has played quite well in the last two games. So that's definitely something to watch. And um, I like um, Alexis McAllister. I do also like Scottish named Argentinian of all time. <laughs> uh, he he sounds like he should be from. He sh- it sounds like he should be playing for England and not getting off a bench because he's too technical, too uh, good at taking players on and Gareth. Southgate doesn't really like that. The fo- like Foden, yeah, it's like Foden, Grealish. It's like you, you guys are all. You can have. I can play one of you, or I can use two of you in a twenty-minute cameo when we're chasing the game. But I'm not going to use you in the right positions. You guys are just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, McAllister is Scottish, though. You do know that, right? Yes. Yeah. He. Yeah. yeah Scottish parentage, right? Or I. Yeah, I think. I think his grandfather is. Yes, but there's like right. a, there's like a really weird Scottish enclave in Argentina. Like half of their yeah. teams, like in their league, you re, like you if you just saw the team name, like I think Banfield is one of them, and you just see that name, and you just go, oh, that that's a team in like Wales or Scotland or something. And it's like Banfield yeah. is a club based in Buenos Aires. In wait, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, well, there's a I think there's Liverpool in South America, but I think they're they're Uruguayan rather than Argentinian. It may be, uh, it must be something to do with the Falklands without getting too historical. That's, yeah, I was like, my mind was going to the Falklands, but I'm not exactly an expert on uh, uh, Anglo-South American relationships from the early uh, 1980s. No, neither. But if it results in guys like Alexis McAllister playing for the Argentinian national team, then I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, they've had a really weird like mix because I'm looking back at their lineups now. I think Osamendi's been the only constant in defense, which is just again just insanity. Because against Mexico, they played Lazaro, uh, not Lazaro, Lissandro Martinez. Against uh, Poland, they played Otamendi next to uh, Romero. They've had Gabby Rodriguez in the middle with DePaul. They've had that Enzo Fernandez. They've played a midfield four. They've played a four three three. It seems like they're just kind of searching, and maybe I'm just like looking for things. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. They're gettable, you know. They're there for the taking. You're saying there's a chance. I am saying there's a chance because like, I'm like we've got a very settled team, settled formation, settled manager. There's just one spot of contention at right back. Whereas you know, I, I, I'd take Big Harry Suter over any of Argentina's defenders. Yeah, I mean that's not a controversial shout. I don't think. I do love the um every because I, I after a big game like this in any sport, I just go on Twitter and I start name searching like the players to just see what the reaction's like. And I type in Suter and it's just 
all these Stoke fans being like, God, Suda's rubbish, isn't he? I would never, like, I wouldn't buy him. <laughs> and it's like under, under like a com- uh, the, under the uh, like the Stoke thing, like congratulations to Harry. Um, it's Stoke fans like, ah, oh, he's just so shit. Like never plays like this for yeah. Stoke. I saw some, I saw some uh, Stoke fan tweeting, uh, I've won, but at what cost? The, uh, the Warrior <laughs> meme. <laughs> but it's um, the same It's the same for like all of them. Like even I was looking up Bacchus today, like there's bloody St. Miriam fans being like, oh, we'll start the bidding at 20 million. Like just <laughs> relax. It's not that deep. It's not going to happen. Calm down. I think there will be some soccerers who get good moves. Oh, absolutely. Good. It's the... um, probably not like a Matthew Leckie just because Leckie's kind of, I like he's had his chance. I think I think he's kind of he obviously had a pretty solid career in Germany, and I think he seems quite settled in Melbourne. Uh, I think, but yeah, Suter definitely. Um, Kyrolds has only just been at Hearts, so not sure whether you know. I don't think he will be on the move, but maybe someone like a you know Degenek, uh, maybe you know uh, you know Riley McGree has not been winning over Middlesbrough fans, but maybe this is kind of like the kind of spur hitties to kind of get back on the horse. I don't know. Well, maybe he'll go to Celtic. <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah, and, and it's just kind of recreating, like, the soccer is... The, the soccer is midfield. Yeah. I mean, he, he's even acting as Sutar's agent, saying... Um, yeah. Sorry, Arnie, not Ange, but yeah, Arnie's yeah. basically saying, you know, if I was a Premier League club, I'd be knocking on Sutar's door. Which, I mean, I imagine Stoke fans would be loving that. Yeah, Stoke... I mean, the more he says that, the, the more money Stoke are going to get for Sutar. Oh, he's yeah. Not be, he's not going to be a Stoke for too much longer. Like, I think after this, if he goes back from the World Cup and plays like this, and even if he doesn't, like, I think just the nature of these, you know, the last two performances will have teams kind of being like, we're going to monitor this guy because he's only 24 and he's just demonstrated he can play at a really high level. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know if you remember, I think the, the most... The MVP of earning yourself a big move off a World Cup is Yeri Mina going to Barcelona after like one good game for Colombia in 2014. But I do, and I'm not like Sudar's better than Mina, so please don't label this as blasphemous. But I wonder because obviously there's talk of a Premier League move for Sutar. I do wonder what level, like what his level in the Premier League is. Like I'm not, I don't think he's going to be like attracting Arsenal or Man City or any of that. But you know, like a, a mid to lower team, like. Maybe Newcastle starts an Australian project because they got Quoll coming in. Um, maybe they bring it yeah, to the top. I think, I think like a lower kind of like lower to mid table team, definitely. Um, Chelsea. Well, <laughs> Chelsea. By the way, in terms of uh, people earning moves off the World Cup, uh, Cleberson in 2002 was described as, I believe, like the heartbeat or the driving force of Brazil's World Cup win. And Man United, and Sir Alex Ferguson signed him for Manchester United. And then I think he was there for three years and had the most remarkable, um, like, three year spell at Old Trafford. And hmm. he was quietly moved on to Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that one. That was the World Cup before I started watching, sadly. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and read the Cleberson one. It was like he was. It was kind of like made out that he was the fourth star of that team behind Ronaldo. Uh, like attacking wise, it was like Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, and Cleverson. Um, and Man United coughed up. I don't think I'd, I don't think it was an extraordinary amount of money, but they were like we're signing this guy. Well, relative for the time, probably was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he did nothing for them. <laughs> um, 
I also wonder if like things had worked out a little bit differently injury wise. This could have been a great showcase for Aiden Hrustich. I know he's just moved to Hellas. Yeah. But it's it's kind of and that's more of a to get regular football, but it is a little bit of a step down for him from the Europa League winners to a mid-table or lower table. I don't know whether they are in the Serie A um, Hellas team. So this would have been a nice chance for him to at least put himself back on the, the window somewhere. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but things I, happen. I, think, I hope he'll have. I think he'll have a lot of time to prove that uh, with Hellas. Uh, there's like a lot of Australians who have just moved clubs in this squad, so it's kind of hard to see them. Yeah. Like, all they're like all they're pretty embedded at their clubs like um like maybe Degan Degan's like the only one or Matt Ryan of course who you know is leaving Copenhagen after just six months which is kind of funny but also quite sad for him because he does seem like a really good dude and uh you know he's been he's coming for a lot of stick and like 100% I would have taken Mitch Langerak to the World Cup and Langerak probably had a pretty good like argument to start and I wouldn't have been surprised if he had started but uh, like yeah Ryan's been good um, I don't mm-hmm. think he's been at fault for any of the I don't think he was at fault for any of the France goals uh, people were kind of had knives out for him after the France game saying he wasn't commanding the defence well wasn't communicating well and I was like well it's impossible literally impossible to prove he wasn't communicating well unless we have like microphones behind the goal that you somehow have access to and the rest of the world doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did do you not? Because I can send you the link to those. <laughs> oh, you, you know a guy. I've got a network of guys. I keep saying this. I've I got looked a guy it up. Who knows a guy. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I looked it up. Uh, Man United played, paid six and a half million pounds for Cleverson before selling him to Besiktas for. Oh, wasn't Aston Villa? No, you... for three million euros. Oh. Yeah, no, never that's, been. Uh, yeah, that's somehow that's more disappointing. I think. I mean, yes, it's obviously. <laughs> um, all right. Would you make any changes? Gun to your head for the Argentina game. Uh, I, I mean, it kind of depends on how everyone pulls up because, like, Lecky for me should start, but then at the same time, he might be completely cooked physically after that game, and same for Craig Goodwin. Uh, and like same for like Aramoy. I mean, if everyone's fit, I think against Argentina, I'd love to see Rustich if, if his ankle was up to it. But at this point, I'm kind of like I'm happy to roll with McGree. And I think like putting Rustich in for Irvine might uh, like unbalance the midfield a bit because then you don't have a proper protection for Moy. And it, we're going to need some sort of changes. I just don't know it. Will come down to who is who 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 pulls up all right from that game because that was a pretty physically taxing and mentally draining game. Do they maybe consider? I, like I might consider Goodwin coming out and then because none of the none of the other wingers on the bench really inspire me to, to, from the get go. Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't start Mabil right now. I wouldn't. Like, I would, obviously wouldn't start uh, Tilio. Um. So and I wouldn't start Qual, even though I think he's I think he's neat. So I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering maybe they start McGree on the wing or you know or a little bit of it. Yeah, McGree on the wing because I think he also provide a little bit defensively out there, and then also bring in a Frustich or a Bacchus and like load that midfield up. Yeah, I think 
McGree's an interesting one because he's kind of started to find some form, whereas before he would have been the, the easy candidate to replace with uh, Hrustic. Uh, but yeah, it's like his back four, if, they, if they've all pulled up okay. And I think they sh- kind of should, hopefully, because um, Degenek especially didn't really get forward. Bayer's got forward a bit second half, but not too much. Yeah, Degenek was offering nothing going forward. No. Um, I keep, I'm keeping all four of them in. I think I go unchanged with a caveat. There's probably going to be a couple of changes, just, which are going to be purely fitness-related, which I have no, obviously no grasp over. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, back four, I agree. That back four stays. I think Duke stays up front. I think... Yeah, Duke, I'd keep Duke up front as well. Yeah. Probably not saying that, but here we are. Yeah, I know, right? But I also think that McLaren's proven to be valuable in that uh, late-game situation. Um, as much as I would yeah. love to see Cumdingo get out there, I think McLaren's probably been the more vi- viable option. Yeah, I, I agree. And as much as I love Jason Cummings, and I do think Jason Cummings like should start, not just on me. Well, I said before the tournament, I thought Cummings should start over Duke, not just for me value, but because I genuinely thought he was a better player, but Duke has earned his spot in this team. And um, yeah, unless he's injured or like isn't 100%, you know, I don't think Cummings is going to see the field, really. No. So, yeah, back four stays the same. Duke, I, I would keep. I mean, if Leckie is fine, he stays. I can't really... It's so... like I can't really drop anyone. So, yeah, it just no. comes It just comes down to, like, complete guesswork. Like, oh, I reckon, based on my seat here, you know, half a world away, that actually Goodwin looked a little bit cooked. So, therefore, I might sub him out for, bloody, for like, Mobile or Hostage or whatever. But really, I have no idea. So I'm going to assume the same team. Start. Maybe I'll uh, bring Vukovic in, actually. Yeah. Vukovic, yeah, Redmayne. But Redmayne plays a half and Vukovic plays another half. Well, I was keeping Redmayne for the late game, for the uh, penalty <laughs> shootout sub. I think that's... Uh, yeah, that's, I think we've solved it. And then we lose 6-0. Yeah. <laughs> because like, we just do not know anything... No, because we haven't picked the right amount. We've got some unbalanced Aussie DNA. I know, or we don't have enough of it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, there's too much Aussie DNA at the back and not enough in the wing. I don't know. We're talking nonsense. I think it's it's tied. It's tied. Yeah. It's it's late. It is late. Well, it's late for me. It's like actually, it's kind of late for you with your. It's it's quarter past seven, but I'm coming off. I think five hours of sleep. You're coming off seventeen boss coffees. Yeah, I I only had one coffee today. Maybe that's the issue. I deliberately tried to hold back up a coffee, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> All right. So you've obviously been writing a lot of content for the World Cup. So as usual, there's your thirty seconds of self promotion. Yep. Uh, the West I write for West Australian and Perth. Uh, I've got a lot of World Cup content on the site at the moment. Uh, I did something on Matthew Lucky's goal overnight. Uh, I did something on Harry Sutar, which I think maybe will, will be live by the time this podcast goes out. Uh, and uh, also wrote kind of a bit of a preview of the Argentina game. So go check them out on thewest.com.au. 
Cool. Um, and as always, beyondthefence.com.au. I actually also wrote something, I know, shock, that oh, went oh. out. I know that went out about, I don't know, two hours ago now, just about. Uh, see, I don't do previews because I like to do long rambling things just about, you know, how this team, it's not the golden generation, but it's going to prove to be someone's golden generation inspiration-wise yeah. in, you know, 15 years' time. We look back on it. This this is someone's 2006 um, you see, you can find that on beyondthefence.com.au, uh, Beyond Fence on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter? You didn't see your Twitter. Oh, uh, at Ben Smith 94. And I'm Ben S. Quag. Still sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> find the podcast on Apple, Spotify. If we're in your Spotify wrapped, that's really cool. That came out today. I'm in my own Spotify wrapped, so that was nice. Not number one, though. Um, <laughs> that's, I, I, that's uh, you've got to pump those numbers up, those are rookie numbers. I honestly cannot listen to my own voice. <laughs> I think everyone's, no one can, anyone who likes listening to their voice is, uh, they've got some other issues they need sorting out, I think. <laughs> I like other people listening to my voice, but not me. Not me. Yeah, uh, yeah but Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Google Podcasts, give us a rating, a review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Other than that, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>